Hello and welcome to the Top Hill City podcast, the podcast that comes around every four matches or something like that. Uh, this week we are officially a Nathan Ake appreciation podcast and we're going to talk about nothing but the Dutch beautiful man. Um, that's right, isn't it? Nothing else on the agenda? No big matches? I don't think anything's happened, has it? No, no, no. Just, just, a, little little yeah. just a little matter of Atleti, Liverpool, Liverpool fighting, injuries, we've got a lot to get through. Um, so let's let's jump straight in, shall we? City-Liverpool in the Premier League, too old. Was this a title decider before we went into it? How did you feel, Richard? I didn't think it was a title decider, but I thought it was obviously massively important. If you think about the amount of games that we've got left to play and the way that City have been playing in the last few months feasibly we could drop points at any time and you know Liverpool have been pretty um, constant in their winning ability so I didn't think it was a decider but it was massively important obviously. Cam? This was the game I was most wanting to get some out of out of all four so no it wasn't a decider but it, it was the most important I thought out of all four Yeah. Is there an argument for momentum? Like if they were to have beaten us there, the wind's in their sails and then they just, just fly through to the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 so. I think it was like, I think it's like what you said. I, I don't think momentum is a thing at the moment, especially for us, because we've just been, especially these last four games, we've not been great. <laughs> so I, I think they, I think they were gonna, they're going to do what they're going to do. We're going to do what we're going to do. I don't think momentum's going to come into it at this point unless we really start smashing people in the next couple of games. I didn't think momentum was was it wasn't for us. You know, if if we beat them, we obviously put a huge um, dent in their title race hopes. But I thought if they beat us, that that they definitely had the momentum. Then they've had momentum building up to that game. If they were to beat us at the Etihad as well and then go on top of us. I, I just felt like everyone's trying to make the narrative about Liverpool being the good guys and being um, the team to be anyway. And I think it would have just been overwhelming from that, that perspective that if they won the game, it was really in their hands at that point. Yeah, that's fair. I think. So leading up to the game, kind of got to check on the feelings. I, I was there for it. Um and I don't think I stopped shaking. Like, I had the shakes, like, most of the game. I hate games like this. I just want it to be over and we've won. And I don't enjoy it. Um, but but before before we get into actually what happened in the game, Nathan Ake has been in great form recently. Do you think he was lucky, unlucky to miss out? I don't know if he's... I'd, I'd consider his great form to include the other games in this run that he played. So I don't know if I'd have been like Nathan Ake's got to start this Liverpool game for the for the Premier League game at least. Uh, I was happy to see Laporte and Stone start, but based on his last couple of games, I would have been more than happy to see Ake start um, in the league as well because he's just he's just been great, and he like it's been nice to see him coming into his own, especially after we've got the president and the Nathan Ake fan club here. So. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll let him wax lyrical on him because uh, he's more suited to it than me. I thought he was very unlucky to miss out on, on this game. I thought he was brilliant in the Champions League first leg against Atle- Atleti. 
Um, and on top of that, I think he's more of a traditional centre-back than Stones and Laporte are. And he reminds me a bit more of Ruben Dias in that way. Um, I don't think he's obviously done as much for City yet, of course, than, than Dias has. But I th- he does remind me a bit of him. And I thought that Pep might want somebody like him on the pitch. So I was a bit in two minds of maybe Zinchenko, maybe Ake out on that left-hand side and Cancelo on the right. But then, you know, Walker's going to miss out at that point. So it, it, it's difficult. One we are a little bit thin in the squad, but I think that even with Diaz's injury, one place that we aren't thin at is at the back. So it, it wasn't a problem for me when I saw the lineup and he wasn't there, but I was a little bit disappointed for him that he didn't have the opportunity to shine in that game because he definitely, like Cam said, shined in all of the other ones he started recently. Yeah, I think I like about it is he, he can win headers and get two city players. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing yeah. that gets to me the most. Is it's just nice to see when, when in the second game that he played against uh, Liverpool, it, it, they kept trying to do the same thing where they were just trying to loft the ball to Salah and get it over the back. And Zinchenko did have trouble with that, whereas Ake was just constantly just nullifying that by heading it straight back forward and getting straight to a city player every time. So it's, it's just nice. I don't think we have a, a defender who's that, who's that good at heading, so it's nice to have that for us. I mean, we'll obviously we'll try and keep it uh, linear, but in that FA Cup game, when when Ake, there's one cross that comes in, and I think he gets his a high foot to it to like snuff it out there as well. Like he wasn't just getting things out with his head. Like he puts a really good block in and the ball just like gets hoofed up in the air. And I'm thinking this isn't how, <laughs> I don't think this is how Pep wants you to play Ake, but I'm here for it for sure. Probably a good thing to have those different skill sets though, isn't it? Like you say, it's a bit more like Diaz, that Laporte and Stones might be the more Rolls Royce types and Diaz and Ake might be the more, you know, get in the mode, get dirty, get it done. Ford Focus. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, good start to the game. KDB scores in the first five minutes, raising um, a sterling one-on-one chance that we, uh, we were going to curse him for forever until it was it was the same sort of passage of play, wasn't it? So, we kind of will let Raz off with that one, maybe. Yeah, this Sky Sports played the highlight for like a full minute and a half. <laughs> like when at half time when they were showing it back, it was like they showed the Sterling chance and then just let it play for the yeah. for the rest of it. But um it was I mean, I don't expect much from Sterling in Liverpool games anyway. So as soon as he was through, it was like this ain't going in. But yeah, I'm glad Kev who what was that, five and five at that point, maybe? Yeah, it's a hot streak in it. Uh, I was at so, the um I was at the game as well, James, and the the atmosphere was like so impressive in the ground for that one mm-hmm. and the hatred towards Sterling was so fucking palpable it was unbelievable like literally from that miss at the beginning of the game whenever a player fucked up on the pitch people were shouting for Sterling to get subbed off like honestly yeah. like Stones would make a mistake or something like that or, or Rodri in the centre of the pitch would be hounded by Liverpool players and the guy behind me would just be like, get Sterling off the pitch. Fuck sake, <laughs> it was, it was awful. So uh, when Sterling scored that goal that was then deemed f- for being offside, even though it was so close, 
I felt like I had to do like the Sterling defense thing just because I felt so sorry for him. So yeah. I turned around to the people behind me and like shouted out like Raheem the dream. <laughs> I was like fist bump in the air and everything. And by the time I turned around, the VAR called it. Fuck it out. It was Spurs all over again. <laughs> He's cursed, isn't he, with that? Oh man! Yeah, I was not his friend. I think he'll have nightmares for the rest of his life about uh, some of the goals and the importance of some of the goals that he over the scored. over this run, this difficult run. That was the one thing that he's contributed to the entire run, and he and it was snuffed out. So yeah. I don't like the revulsion towards him, but criticism of him is definitely due because he's just been a complete non-entity in in all of yeah. these games. I think for a player that's deemed one of our most important players, wants to be one of our best paid players, you know, he's, he's arguably oh, but seen by some as a world class player. You've got to step up in these big moments, haven't you? And yeah. It could be argued he's not doing that. But anyway, carry on with the game. Liverpool quickly equalised the Rijata. Anyone at fault for this? It's it was one of them where City had so much of the ball and was so good in those opening minutes that Liverpool started to have a little bit of run of, of run of play. Like they had the ball for about three minutes or so, and I just thought that we we need to just be careful here, City, because this is the difference between City and Liverpool. They can have the ball for three minutes and score because they're clinical, and we can have the ball for thirty minutes and maybe get a shot on target and aim it directly down the center of the goal at Allison or or hit it wide. And I don't think anybody was at fault, but it was just disappointing that this theme, consistent theme, whenever we come up against Liverpool, was just prevalent again. I'm just yeah, trying to remember to go. <laughs> um, Jota, Jota squeezed it under um, Edison from a Robertson cross. Yeah, Trent, Robertson. Trent squared it back. With an absolute shed load of deflections back into the path of Liverpool players. <laughs> no, it just it just seemed like a really well worked call. Um you could argue Cancello on uh, was not great. Uh, he kept drifting in field a lot, uh leaving Salah so much space on the right. Um so I guess maybe you could say that but I wondered if that was like, a tactic, you know. Like Salah's not been in great form. I know he's not the player you want to have on the ball constantly, but out but of he's those, not scored in like fourteen hours yeah, before yeah. that game. Yeah. That's not a penalty, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I just thought that maybe well, that was the strategy: is rather than have Mane on the ball, uh, who is in form, and Jota, like let him have a bit of space out there mm-hmm. and keep him under control a little bit. Which I thought we Cancelo did quite well at some points. There's that. Um, the highlight that's been doing the rounds all over Twitter ever since where he gets the ball off him and then skills it around him and manages to get halfway back up the pitch before they have to bring him down. There's the there's a flip side of that though where Salah always scores against us. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of them goals that it's just they just really well worked. Maybe you could argue they they should be marking the box a bit better because there's like Four players in a row on the line, pretty much. But yeah, sometimes it's just a rub of the green, isn't it? Um, right, let's pick up the pace. Jesus then gets us back in front of the lovely volley cross from Cancelo, I believe. Um, and it, it seemed like uh, all wrongs had been righted at that point. Going into the break, I think we all felt pretty good. 
Um, and then the players forgot to come out for the second half and Liverpool kicked off before we were there and Mane walked up and put it in the net. That's that's what happened, right? Yeah, exactly the same as the, the first goal, really, is it's just you allow them that couple of clinical min- minutes on the ball and then they punish you for it. Yeah, I think people have been a little overcritical for Walker in that he's not quick enough on the pace to keep up with Mane and he's distracted a little bit and he allows him that space. But I think Walker always does that. He always allows them to drift off a little bit, knowing that his pace can he can catch up with them. It was just a little bit too close to the goal for him to run that risk. And the pass from is it from Salah to Mane, I think, was was just so. was perfect. It was inch perfect. So again, I'd I'd rather not poke blame at anybody for that and, and use someone as a scapegoat. I just yeah. think it was another well worked goal and they caught us on a in a lull moment. That Salah pass is the, the shades of David Silver, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> How <yeah>. dare you? <laughs> oh, um, he... That game as well, like, just just to just to mention to uh, uh, lay the foundations for something we're going to talk about later. Edison, uh, it was a bit of an art attack, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Do you I, was, know, uh, I, I was thinking just before that, because that, where I sit, I'm kind of like, I look to the right for, for the first half. And, um, I was only thinking to myself, I used to always be so scared when the ball was played back to him and I'm expecting the ball to roll under his foot one day. And if it You're happens, then, style. then it, it happens because sometimes it hasn't and then that happened immediately and I was like, what have I done? I've cursed it. <laughs> I'm on the other side, James, at the Colin Bell stand and we're essentially like on par with the edge of the six yard box so yeah. he had a great view of it and for a minute I thought it was Nicky Weaver in net <laughs> when wow. he lets the ball just <laughs> slightly I was like oh fuck I'm having uh, PTSD flashbacks yeah. into the kip yeah. but um, no on, on reflection it's cool as fuck isn't it but he can get rid of that ball quicker and ultimately yeah. I think he um he does tee up Stefan, doesn't he, for the for the later mm-hmm. game that we'll get on to. Um, like, anything you can do, I can do better, but Stefan yeah. just can't do it at all. <laughs> i got to say, I know you guys said you were, like, proper nervous and stuff because you were out of the game. I'd, at home, that's the best game I've watched all season. Just because I was just happy to play football for once. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. To, to have a game where we could play football, and maybe it's because we were the better team that day that I could enjoy it. Maybe if it was like the FA Cup game, I'd have been like, "This is fucking shit." Yeah. But if because we were the better team, even though we drew, it was just nice to not have to play against eleven men on the goal line on their side. So refreshing, a hundred percent. But we're back to business this weekend against Brighton or whatever. <laughs> <Why don't laughs> <you play? laughs> Because I've been watching games for like the last two months and just going, I'm, by like the 60th minute, I'm, like, I'm almost tapping out and just going, this is boring. I'm, I'm sick of it. And at the ground, it's worse because the the crowd goes quiet. The atmosphere goes dead. Yeah. If you, the odd one out, if you start chanting something positive, like to try and get people involved in the game, if you try and contribute, you're the odd one out then. Like the and, end of um, the dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, I was I was nervous and I was like actually shaking at points, but I actually love these types of games and I love the running. And I think that this is a, a an effect from that eighteen nineteen season where I was just nervous for every single game and I was shitting it and I was 
bad Malvin Mares left, right, and center. And I don't know if like if it's just the fact that we've pretty much won every single title race under the shake that we've been involved in that I'm just trying to enjoy this one now. I'm cognitively trying to make the decision mm. to just enjoy the ride a little bit more. Good for you, mate. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hide under a rock and all as he's done. Um, right, let's let's speed on through. So just want to bring up the uh, refereeing display and potential red cards for Thiago and Fabinho in that game. I think looking back on a couple of the highlights, the Fabinho one, especially, like how high he catches. Is it Bernardo? Yeah. Um, that, for me, that's a straight red. Um, and there was a point where Thiago fouled Kev and the referee gave a free kick to Thiago yeah. for it. And he was already on a yellow, right? Yeah. And he did about four challenge, yellow card fouls. Thiago. And it's the first time I've been on Twitter afterwards and, and I didn't even see Liverpool fans arguing it. You know what I mean? Like they, they seemed to think they were pretty lucky with it. Um, and when you look back at the complexion of the semi-final, it's hard to think that the poor referee, and we, they wouldn't have had Thiago and Fabinho in the FA Cup if, if they'd have gone off because it's a domestic bad, obviously. So it's hard to think that it didn't affect the FA Cup semi-final as well. I've got a theory that the um, the reason for the refereeing in a lot of these games has been because there just seems to be this prevailing narrative now that in the big games, everyone wants to see 11 versus 11. No one wants to see a sending off. No one wants to see a controversial decision. They want to see both teams go at it. So they just let too much go. And the fact is that you still have to referee by the rules of the game and by the rules of the game that Fabinho uh, tackle on Bernardo should have been a straight red card VAR should have picked that up and they should have um, directed the referee to change his mind on it and all of the Thiago ones as well there was a massive accumulation there and I think that the the referees similar to the way that they just allow play to go on and they try and you know uh, just if there's a foul and the other team has the ball they'll, they'll wave play on it's similar to that. They just want to try and keep the game flowing, but sometimes you've just got a referee by the rules of the game. There were red cards for a couple of Liverpool players there. And we'll get onto the Atleti one as well, but there was definite, <laughs> definitely yeah. more red cards involved in that game too. And I just think in these big games, I don't know if it's a directive or if it's a decision by the referees and the officials on in the game on the day, but they are cognitively making the decision to allow too much to go. It says a lot that it wasn't even the worst referee performance of the four games. <laughs> yeah, don't uh, just keep your powder dry for that one. We'll, uh, we'll spend yeah. some time on that one. Um, quickly, though, just to finish off on this Liverpool one, two things. Firstly, that Mario's shot at the end. For me, oh, I've just only seen it live walking away afterwards. I felt like he saw his name in lights and he wanted to score the goal that everyone would be talking about rather than just being clinical either put it in the top corner or square it to Foden. It got deflected in the end, though, didn't it? Yeah, but as, that's what I'm saying. Live, I didn't yeah. see that. I was just walking away, cursing him, going, you've just, you've gone back to season one, Mares. The shot wasn't on there, the yeah. The shot I, wasn't I got, on and the pass to Foden was, ultimately. I got my PTSD at that point of Richard and Chuck, uh, <laughs> two or three years ago, <laughs> screaming at Mares to never play for his club again. <laughs> 
I was very pissed off, but I wasn't as, uh, like I said, I'm trying to be a bit more chill about it. (laughs) (laughs) But but I thought in the ground, none of the people around me thought that the Foden pass was on. And I thought like I was taking crazy pills or something. I was just screaming like, he should have fucking passed to Foden. And then when I watched the highlights back afterwards, I was like, oh my God, it was even more of an obvious pass than I thought it was. He was directly through on goal, a little tap, and then he's around Allison straight away. It's a tap Mm -hmm. in. From yeah, it's a difficult angle, but yeah, fucked it. It's one of those, isn't it? That it'll be interesting come the end of the season if that's the difference, just as the Damaris penalty a couple of years ago was. And, um, oh, wasn't so, in the end for that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So just to finish off after that result, I just think we're set league wise. We we are happy with the point. Do you think we've, as Pep said, left them alive? Can what do you think? We're still above them. It's still in our hands. That's that's all you could really ask for. Especially like Richard said before, we could lose any game the way we've been playing. So to still be a point ahead of them and still have control of it at the moment is is a good outcome for the game. Even though we could have won it, it's, it's disappointing, but See, I've, I look at that and I think the opposite. Like, I think that this was a missed opportunity. We were the better team. We had the better chances and we could have put them away. And we could have made it so that we didn't have to play a, a slightly more weakened team in the later games, perhaps. Um, like, we could have maybe contributed, put, put a few more of the heavy hitters out for some of the later ones. So, um, no, I think it was a missed opportunity. I don't want to be too negative about it because we are still in the lead. And I think that we are still the favourites to win the title. But the form that they're in now, we have to. I think we have to go out and, and really try and win every single game from here on in. And we've got two difficult games against Madrid. And to have those, that buffer point, a buffer of four points over Liverpool would have been brilliant. Yeah, I think I hear both sides. And I think I probably weigh slightly more into yours, Richard, in that I, I was walking away actually feeling a bit deflated from the game because I did feel we were there for the taking. I don't know if I necessarily agree we would have been able to play more of the big hitters, because I think, as we saw with the athletic game and stuff, that really took it out of us. Um, and speaking of, let's let's fly straight into athletic, because we've got loads to talk about. Um, obviously, the players had had a, a big shift against Liverpool and straight into uh, a tense and uh, ruckus Champions League night against Athletic. Did this game sort of play out as you expected, Cam? What, big Porto shit out of it? I bet more so in terms of, based on the first, like, how much they sat back and we controlled the game. Um, did you sort of expect much of the same? Did you expect them to come out and go for us? Like, what was your vibe before? No, no, it's exa- I didn't think, I thought it would be, if anything, I'm surprised we scored. Um, if anything, because it, it was just exactly what they're known for is just anti-football, Burnley, Porto, shithouse, horrible, Simeone football. So, yeah, it's exactly what I expected it to be and I'm just glad we did come away with the goal. From the first leg, yeah. From the first leg, yeah. Yeah, I'd be confused for a second. I was like, have I missed the goal there? (laughs) Um, Do you feel the same, Richard? Yeah, I did. I, I thought that the way that it was going to go, I, I felt like they actually pressed us a little bit more in the first half than I thought they were going to do. I thought they were going to come out and do exactly the same as they did in the first leg in the first half, but they did play a little bit. Uh, but I thought that um, we'd have the ball, but we'd do nothing meaningful. We'd have maybe one shot on goal and it was the um, 
Gundogan where he, when he hit the post and then I yeah, was convinced that. that yeah Atleti would come at us but they came at us again a lot quicker in the second half than I thought they were going to I thought that they would wait until like the 80th minute and then it would just be a complete onslaught from that point but um they actually <laughs> even though they were so fucking shit, shit houses I thought that we tried we challenged them on that a little bit and they they did come at us a little bit more than, than I thought, but otherwise, yeah, it was exactly as I expected. Speaking of pressing, they, they, both teams did one thing that really fucked us a lot, and they were just man-marking Rodri so tight. Yeah. So fucking... And, it, and cutting off that Rodri where Edison loves that ball where Stones like passes it back to him, and then he cuts through the middle to Rodri, and they were cutting Rodri off left-right. So like, in, in the first leg... I want to say we counteracted it by putting Bernardo back um, and having him receive the ball instead. Um, I didn't see that happening during the second leg as much, uh, but yeah, that that cutting off Rodri really kneecaps us quite a lot, uh, and it's very clear to see in that game. But all of those games, I think when that happens, you see Edison starts to float the balls out to the fullbacks a little bit more on the touchline, don't you? Because what else can you do? Um, I think from my point of view, be, like up to that point, let's not jump onto Liverpool in the FA Cup yet, but up to that point, I feel that's the worst we've played in a long time. And I know there's two ways of looking at this. One could be we stopped them scoring, we got the result, we did what we needed to do. But actually, I don't feel like we were in control for a lot of it. I felt like we were dancing to their drum and hoofing it long and trying to get a few minutes peace, as in how most teams play against us. Um, and it felt quite unsettling. Um, and I suppose it, you could you could see it as that was the plan all along because it really did wind them up and play them at their own game in the same way that in the first Liverpool game, we, we played Liverpool at their own game with the balls over the top. And it's almost like Pep's, Pep's mixing things up a little bit. Um, but obviously, like I say, this turned into a bit of a ruckus. Felipe and Savic really had it in for Foden for the whole game. And I don't quite know why. I don't know if it was a they made a point of targeting him, thinking it would wind up the sort of city fans and the city players, <clears throat> or it was like giving him the messy treatment where they were scared of him, um, or maybe he just said something to them at the start. I don't know. Um, but yeah, quite early on, Felipe went through the back of Foden, didn't he, and cut his head open, so he had to get his Gaza bandage on, um, and. Yeah, not too long after, well, a while after that, um, he finally gets his second yellow when he cuts Foden down after a very good tackle, to be fair. Um, you know, here's a little bit of afters on the side of the pitch and you, you see Savage lose his head because he sees Foden roll back onto the pitch and that's, that's a bit of savviness from Phil. Um, but the best bit was seeing Phil's mum in the crowd going absolutely nuts, like it couldn't have been placed better, could it? She's there taking her earrings off, ready to go, I think. I didn't think that was actually her. I thought that someone had just screenshotted some woman in the crowd and then <laughs> went like, no, there's Phil's mum about to get involved. But no, fuck it was, me, uh, it, it was, was actually her. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. there's that video, weren't there, when he had that scrap at the boxing? Yeah, yeah. Months ago, yeah, it's um, Yeah, what do you think about Philippe and Savage having it in for him? It's fuck, fuck me. Like we we've somehow become a team that can really wind people up. Like PSG, we did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. 
the only difference being we played a lot better against PSG. But even that, like afterwards when it's all said and done, and then you've you've got like Vishalko spitting at Peter, spitting on his own staff. Because he's so he's so desperate to spit at um, Scott Carson or whatever <laughs> that he's spitting on his old stuff. Then you've got Savage starting on Grealish and Grealish just just coming over to call him a cunt. <laughs> like, not yeah. incredible. Uh, and you get and it's another one where like when he got punched in the back of the head when he played for when he was at Villa uh, against Birmingham and you could, and he says oh my god and you can see the brummy in it. And you can yeah. when he said you, <laughs> you just see it in his fucking in his mouth. It's so good. It was worth the price of admission just for just for that. I think. But it's just like I know they're a nasty team, but you just don't see scraps happen that often anymore. But it always seems to be involving teams that shit their way through yeah. games. Not to that level. I don't think you see those scraps and. I think it was while um, those podcast with Sam and Mooney was saying something on the lines of, um, if you're if you're that team that wants to play that way and sort of be the shit houses, you, you've got to be able to like see it out. You can't just lose your heads and then let your game plan go out the window. It's like you've also got to be able to take it. it well, well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My point, like you. You're creating this atmosphere. You've got to be the best one at it. You're the experts at it. And they just couldn't hack it, did they? It was really weird. It was like self-sabotage from them. Yeah. Like, And I didn't understand at a certain point. Like, I thought, oh, typical Atleti, like when he's trying to drag Phil off back on the pitch. I didn't think at first it was because Phil had gotten to him or the team had gotten to him and they'd lost the Reds. I thought it was all part of their strategies for City to lose their Reds. But then when he's, you show the replays back afterwards and he's headbutting Sterling and stuff like that, you, you just know that this guy's just a fucking idiot. And he's a, you no know, wonder Simeone comes on and he like has a go at him uh, or whatever like during the game because, honestly, it was bizarre. Like They did just lose the Reds and I thought that um, it was all part of their game plan and they just fucked it up completely. It was mad. Especially because they were in the ascendancy for like 40 minutes before that. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they ruined their own chances score. to score yeah. a goal. Like they, like you said, James, they completely um, had us, our game plan shifted 100%. Edison wasn't even picking out City players anymore when he was kicking it up the pitch. He was just hitting it right back into their penalty area for it to come straight back to us. And I thought... We can't. How long? Much longer can we withstand this? I didn't think we could withstand it for ninety minutes, let alone one hundred and ten, or however long the fucking game went on for. And for them to just do that was just absolutely mental. Yeah, it was uncomfortable as well. Like yeah, it was really was. like I, I thought that Foden was going to be seriously like fucked up at one point with the tackle, like you said, straight away going through the back of him and then kicking out at him. And I just thought we'll be lucky if we actually have a player like um, not go off injured I mean we did with De Bruyne and uh, Walker but that wasn't really anything to do with that late but I I did ultimately think that the way Foden was treated in that game had a bit of a knock-on effect for the Liverpool game afterwards yeah well like I said we'll come to that um, I thought Pep was quite um, smart with his choice of subs as well I know it might have been enforced but Fernandinho and Ake coming on I think they had a really good impact on the game and I saw a very brief highlight reel of Fernandinho's touches for like the, however long it was like it rewound the clock a little bit, did it? 
because yeah. when he's been coming on recently, you've been getting shades of Yaya where he's just a yard too slow for the game or, or he's just not there. That that was full on Fernandinho almost at his best, just just breaking up play and getting people annoyed. And it was just nice to see uh, Fernandinho come on. And it was nice to see Ake make a cameo, like you say, and, and come on and do really well as well. But he, he stopped. I mean, he, you could argue almost gave away a penalty <laughs> going through the back of what's-his-face in the box. Uh, luckily, he didn't get seen. But he did also stop a certain chance from going in as well. So He had I more think... clearances than anyone in the game in that 17 minutes. I think, Honestly, I think, I think he was my man of the match. Okay. Yeah, was I was going to say the players who yeah. came on were better than the players yeah. who started. <laughs> Do you know, he's almost he's... like... Ake's becoming Pep's closer a little bit, isn't he? Yeah. You just trust him to be solid. Which he can, which he couldn't do at the start of the season. But yeah. working out now. Is it just me? I, I, it's hard to say this because obviously we all love him so much. Phil's not been great for a little while now, I think. Um, and I'm wondering whether it's burnout or, or just, is it mismanagement of his position or... I think the latter. I think he's he's taking one from the team, playing in the false nine a lot of the time. And you see when we put him on the right, that that's that's where he thrives on the wings, um, especially I think on the right. I don't know if it's because he can then shoot with his left foot, Maris style. Um, he, he comes on in the Atletico first leg, doesn't he? And and breaks the deadlock with that pass through to De Bruyne, and that's the side that he is on when he does that. Mm-hmm. I think if we if we allowed Phil to play a little bit deeper, even like he has been doing for England, he seems to be playing more of a like actual central midfield role for them. And when he plays deep, you can see him pinging the long balls up towards the the strikers up the pitch and picking them out. Um, so I think you're right. I think it is just it's probably a combination of the two. He has been playing a lot, and when he's been playing, he's been completely marked off the ball because he is playing in that forward line where it's just a, a satellite for the defenders to to go around him. So um, interesting to see him with a striker in the team next year. Absolutely, yeah. I think he'll thrive just, a little bit more in the Bernardo role next season. Watching him, I just can't help but think if Sterling's putting in the performances that he was putting in, other than the the assist. There'd be a lot of vitriol. Um, yeah, but Sterling is playing in the positions that you'd want him to play in as well for that for like the Liverpool game and stuff like that. He was on the he right. Front, wasn't he? No, no, he, he, he was. They were sort of drifting. But I oh yeah, sorry. The league game, yeah, he wasn't. He was the false nine, wasn't he? And that I haven't noticed him playing right yet. wing, which is his best position for a few games now. And he's always ineffective on the left and in the middle. Um, but he's he's got to make room for Mares because Mares is top scorer, top assister, all that sort of stuff. I don't know, it's just I think Phil needs a rest uh, or something, or at least to be played centrally, like you say. Uh, I just thought it was worth bringing up. At least to have an ash rest over the winter period. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> they organised that. Anyway, right, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll uh, discuss the dreaded Liverpool FA Cup game. We'll have a look at a preview of Brighton and we've got our own mystery game as well. See you in a sec. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast. Disagree with anything you've heard? Don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter. 
Hello and we're back for the second part of this month's Topical City podcast and it's a break up. Oh, just got the choke now, starting to start. <laughs> this is definitely making it in. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <clears throat> Welcome back to the Topical City podcast, part two, we're going to jump straight in with the game <coughs> and Cameron's dying in the corner, you do that, eh? <laughs> um... Right, so Richard, you're in the spotlight this week. Yes. And we're going to play a version of Shag, Barry, Avoid. <laughs> God. But with City players. So like you've it. got to pick, I'm going to give you three City players, and you've got to pick one to be a club legend, and they'll play for us their whole career, Mark Noble style. Mm-hmm. You've got to pick one to erase them off the map completely. No. And one, they can come and be a one-season wonder for us, but then have to leave again. Right. So do you want to go through that quickly again, and I'll write it down. So yeah. Club Legend. So got club Legend, erase off the face of the earth. Yeah. And one-year wonder, a one-season wonder. Nice. So I've got one, two, three, four. I've got six, six groupings for you sure. to go through. And Cam and I might have met before and guessed what you'd say. <laughs> so, I'm not confident. These picked players that are actually pretty tough together, so I'm not confident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done this on purpose. I've done this like quite manipulative just to see what happens. So um, you two so, have guessed what you think I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've picked the exact sort of who we think we're putting each spot, but I think just for to make it less complicated, we maybe just pick who he's chosen as the legend. I think Cam. I mean, I've done the work now, mate. Yeah. But I realize I don't have a break to figure it all out afterwards. So <laughs> we'll see where we get to. Right, okay. Richard, first group in, we've got Joe Hart, Ruben Diaz, and Nicola and Elkar. Oh, wow. That's good. I like that. Joe Hart, Ruben Diaz, and Nicola and Elkar. Crikey. Right, okay. I don't mind erasing an Elkar off because I don't feel like he already gets the respect that um, from City fans that maybe the other two have had. Um, so I'd probably erase him off because you could just reimagine in your head Sean Golter getting all of those goals anyway. So I'm um, oh, John... was a one season. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> oh, John Macken actively contributing something instead of just be having a dead career at City. So, you know, maybe one of those two could pick up the slack there. Um, club legend. I mean, one's already got a plaque at the ground. Um, but you know what? For the sake of Joe Hart's career, I'm going to say that he should be a one-year wonder because he did have like actually maybe about two or three outstanding, amazing seasons at City and then quite a few drop-offs in the Pellegrini years. So, yeah, um, club legend, surprisingly, Ruben Diaz, uh, one-year wonder, will go for Joe Hart and erase an Elka off the face of the earth. I said that because that's what I had to start with. And I swapped hard the ass around. Oh, they all wrong. So, yeah, no point <laughs> for me on that one. What did you think, James? I thought you'd go an uh, Elka legend, a raise hard the ass one year. See, you always mistake me for a bit of a nostalgia merchant, don't you? You but are a nostalgia merchant. I just like that one season. <laughs> that, <laughs> <and> that's it. <laughs> right. So next up, we've got Laporte, Richard Dunn, 
and Raheem Sterling. Oh, Laporte, Richard Dunn, and Raheem Sterling. Oh, crikey. I'm going to erase Laporte. He doesn't really, they didn't want to be at the club for a while anyway. He spat his dummy out. Um, John Stones can just have the brilliant seasons that, that Laporte would have had, so he's gone. Uh, Richard Dunn and Raheem Sterling, for the same exact same reason as what I gave for Joe Hart in the last one, I'm going to say one-year wonder for Raheem Sterling, because if he'd have come in and just had a one one season with us and then we'd have sold him for more than we got him from Liverpool, I think maybe that would have been better for his career in the long run as well, because he wouldn't be as reviled as he is. I mean, reviled by the wider football world and Manchester City fans. And so, obviously, because I've attended the Richard Dunn suite in uh, the Citizens' Hospitality on, on more than one occasion, I'm going to have to go with club legend Richard Dunn, own goal specialist. I called that right. Yeah, I had done as the legend, but I had Laporte and Sterling the other way around. And I knew I'd got it wrong when you were saying you shouted Raheem the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so, as it stands, Dugdale, you've got a point. Because none of us gets the first one, and I guess second, so I've got a point. I thought you'd pick Laporte as the, the one season because he looks like you in the back of a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you've, you should have introduced that concept before, mate, and maybe I would have uh, changed my mind. So I should really There's just your be new Twitter bio. I should just be, yeah, Laporte in the back of a spoon. <laughs> oh, no, he's you in the back of a spoon. <laughs> So technically, you're him in the front of us, but <laughs> so Laporte should change his name. I'll DM him. Yeah, I'll yeah, let him know. Yeah, Laporte. Yeah, right. Next up, Sean Wright Phillips, Yaya Edison. Have you oh, not skipped that? Yeah, I'm just mixing the order up a bit. Okay, Sean Wright Phillips, Edison, and Yaya Torre. Ooh, I'm wondering whether I should go for what I actually want here or what I, the opposite of what I think you two have done. Play it honest. Play it honest. <laughs> Go on, I'll, since, in fact, no, I'm, I'm actually probably behind in the Etihad stable, but we'll never know. But I will play it honest. Um, do, do, do. So, Sean Wright Phillips, Edison, Yaya Torre. We're going to, um, we're going to erase Torre because of the cake gate. I know I, in, in, in podcasts past, I've said that Torre in debates and stuff like that deserves a statue outside the ground. He deserves to be treated with the respect uh, that David Silva and Sergio Aguero have been. But I'm going to do a completely 180 on that. (laughs) (laughs) And just because of the people who you've put him up against, I'm going to say... This is why guessing Richard's whims is is a a big point. You can know him for saying. 20 years <laughs> and then he does a complete 180. I'm just a contrary Mary, really. I'll say the opposite of what I actually think and what I believe just to disagree with people. Literally, Even within myself. the last 10 minutes, you've been like, oh, to save him the indignity of his last few seasons, I'll make him a one season. Under. But yeah, that's all right. No, he can fuck off. Mate, he wanted that cake too badly and he's getting his just desserts now. He's oh, a race. Fuck, nice. <laughs> Club legend um, Edison and one one year wonder Sean Wright Phillips. He can be Chelsea's club legend in if we're rewriting history and we'll have uh, we'll have Edison as our due to the uh, the the Jotter incident. 
and the cool, calm collectiveness of him, he deserves a club legend status off the back of that alone. Well, I got that one completely wrong because you changed your personality. So <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I, I got Edison right, but the other two the wrong way around. So another point for Douglas. Oh no, nah. you didn't get a clean sweep, so no point for you on that one. Apologies. Right, next. Eric Garcia, Edin Dzeko, Stefan Savage. Eric Garcia, Edin Dzeko, Stefan Savage. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to bring it up in, in the last segment, actually, that at the start of that Atleti game, I actually, like, I forget that Savage plays for Atleti, to be honest with you. Um, and he was that null and void in the first like that I didn't even notice he was on the pitch and so when I saw him on the TV I thought like oh that's nice for him he's created a nice little <laughs> career for himself here considering that he was pretty shit for City it's like I thought he'd gone the way of Nastasic and just completely disappeared off the face of the earth but and then obviously he goes and does what he did <laughs> in that game um, who were the other two? Eric Garcia and Jacko. <laughs> oh dear. I thought that Eric Garcia got a bit of a rough ride from the Man City fans. <laughs> and particularly on like the 9320 podcast. Uh, I think I've said it a couple of times on here actually that whenever a player announces that he wants to go, everyone just turns on him. And they do you know like it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like suddenly it's not even that he wants to go that that's the problem, is that he's shit and he's never been good enough. And he can go to Barcelona and he'll fail upwards there because he's shit. But so I feel I do feel a little bit sorry for young Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> Edin Dzeko. What to say about Edin Dzeko? I fucking hated him. Absolutely hated him when he played for City. And the legend status that he's earned in City fans' minds ever since he left is an abomination. Um, he's scored a couple of crucial goals and for that, maybe he doesn't deserve to get erased completely, but he, he fucked up well more than he, than he contributed, honestly, but for, for his duties for Manchester City football club, uh, oh, do I, what do I do? What do I do? What have you done, Cam? Oh, no, I, mean, I can't <laughs> say. I can't say, Cam. <laughs> Oh, what? I'm I'm debating putting Edin Dzeko as uh, a one-year wonder, but I'm also debating erasing him. He's not getting club legend status. But then I'd have to give it to one of the other two. I'm going to give Stefan Savic, that's that's his name, right? Yeah. I'm going to give him club legend status. Uh, if he could have done for us what he's done for Atleti, if if in another, <laughs> if we're rewriting, if we're <laughs> right, rewriting history and under Mancini, can you imagine him being the biggest shit house of all time in that team? That that would have been something. I'm reaching at straws here because I've got to make, I've got, to, I've got to do it. But I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna give Eric Garcia one year wonder, and I'm gonna erase the fuck out of Edin Dzeko. I don't care. <laughs> Cam, I assume you also had a, a race in Edin Dzeko. I mean, I would have picked what you eventually picked if the question was put to me. Uh, but I know I had you down. I've, I've underestimated your hatred for Edin Dzeko. <laughs> I, had, I, I thought you'd put him as legend just because I thought you'd be pissed off with Savage enough that you'd want to erase him. Uh, and Garcia, there's no way you could put him as a club legend, so they only left Dzeko to go there. But... <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah um, you know what? You, you could ask me again in five minutes and I'd give you a completely different set of answers. Yeah. Probably for I'm every single one of them. I'm basically just putting you on the spot with this and quite enjoying it. Right, I two like more. It. Um, two more and then potentially a decider of need be. Aguero, company, silver. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> oh, no. Um, who do you erase? Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm going to get cancelled no matter what I say here, aren't I? So I might as well just go balls deep. I'm going to erase Vincent Company for all of his injuries that he had anyway. Um, it seems like the the right thing to do. <laughs> Let's save him. <laughs> wow. Let's save him you all. Don't have to say he's, like a, say he's like a horse with a broken leg. You just <laughs> putting him out to pasture. Oh, Kyle, <laughs> Uh, goodbye, <laughs> Captain or Captain. <laughs> um, I'm going to Sergio Aguero. Oh, for fuck's sake, my little boy, Serge. I'm going to give him one year. Again, injuries. And David Silva, the most consistent, beautiful, bald-headed bastard. I'm going to give him club legend status. I, I guess you'd say Vinny would. Uh, getting uh, erased. Oh, wow. Time. What, would, what put, was the reasoning behind that? I just figured you liked Aguero and Silva more. <laughs> so, so I went for that. Uh, but I got him the wrong way around. So, oh, James? Yeah, I, I got it all wrong. Yeah, I had a raise silver. You know um, what? If, if I didn't think of it like that, like what, am, what is my actual... I'm maybe focusing too much on their careers rather than what I want. And if I was to rank them in order of my favourites, I probably would have go Aguero, Company Silver. But yeah. I guess I've said what I've said. Yeah, I've made my bed well, and now this Company the... doesn't exist. <laughs> this is the last one. And I'm currently winning at my own game 2-1. So <laughs> um... you know what to do. How are you winning? Because I've, haven't you only got one that I've said right. I, I guess one complete... Uh, sorry, I guess two completely right. So the Laporte Dunn Sterling and the Chora Felicia. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, no, the Garcia Jekko Savage ones. So is it so in guess, any way possible for me to win this game? <laughs> yeah, because you could... If you get this one, if you trick us both completely with this one, it goes to a decider. Okay. Basically, I've done shit because you're <laughs> a terrible person. <laughs> right, last one. Ferner, Zaba, Foden. Oh, right. Okay. Foden, club legend, done. Zabba, one year wonder, done. Ferner, erased. And that's in order of my favourite of those two, of those three. I just think that Foden, the career that he's going to have at City, is going to be infinitely more, well, infinitely better than what Ferner and Zabba have already contributed. And so... Cam? So that's yeah, I got it. So you got it right. Yeah. Nice. Right. I got that you picked Foden as a legend, but the other two the only way around. So final scores, me with two and both of you have one each. Oh, damn it. <laughs> worth <laughs> doing the tiebreaker just to see what he says. Yeah, quick one. Tiebreaker. Cancelo, Sane, Gota. Sane Shag. I mean club legend. <laughs> 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 and sorry, who were the others? I completely, uh, I, I didn't even pay attention to them. Cancelo and Gota. <laughs> Gota, one year wonder a race, Cancelo. 
<laughs> I would have got two if you'd have put it that way. <laughs> and there you go. Once again, I win at the game. <laughs> There's your time. Saturday shag. <laughs> Right, so left to chat about. We have Liverpool FA Cup game and we have a preview for Brighton. Do you want to talk about the Liverpool FA Cup game? Should we take a, a, another break very quickly before? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just gear ourselves up for it. I made myself a brew in the last break and I have not had any chance to drink it <laughs> during the game, so I just need one minute. Oh, back in a sec. We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link. Right, and we're back. Richard, have you had your coffee? It's a cup of tea, but I, I have oh. had it now. I feel suitably refreshed. So, Liverpool and the FA Cup, what were you thought was in the lineup, Cam? It was expected, wasn't it? I really wasn't expecting to play a full strength team. I don't know if I was expecting to play that back line. I really did. I don't know why I didn't think Zinchenko would start considering Walker couldn't start. I think maybe I've just been conditioned to expect a centre back at a full back position <laughs> over the last over the last like four weeks or so. But I thought it was as good as we could probably do in terms of a lineup when you take into account what had happened three days before. Can't believe it was a Saturday FA Cup game. That, that's what got me. I was, I was, the whole week I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch the match on Sunday and I found out it was Saturday and I was like, what the fuck? Why is this a Saturday FA Cup game? Um, but yeah, it was, it was as good as we could do, I think. In, in my head, I thought, I, I thought before the game, when I was um, getting ready to go and watch it, that if... He can rotate the squad, but if he rotates both Zinchenko and Fernandinho in, who've had essentially next to no game time for months, then we'll be fucked. And ultimately, I think that that rustiness did heavily contribute to how poor we were in the first half. Yeah, I agree. I think without saying Pep through the game, I would say he has close to through the game as you could by putting in a cold Fernandinho and especially cold Zinchenko against arguably the most industrious midfield in the league. And I know he's out of form, but arguably the best player in the league. Like you're just hanging, especially Zinchenko, you're hanging him out to dry in that game. What do you expect him to do at that point? So you, you can only assume that he, he his hand was forced then, right? That Laporte just could didn't have the minutes in him and Diaz just wasn't match fit enough to come in from the cold himself that Zinchenko had to play. But I don't know. I wonder if I'd have rather fucking Fernandinho played at centre-back. Than... <laughs> <laughs> I think... But then, Rod- then Rodri doesn't play, does he? And then we've got, I got no one I got in the, the defensive one. I got the defensive one. What was up with... Ro- Why couldn't Rodri play? That's what... was. He didn't Rodri started much, every game for like the last like four, four or five months. Fernandinho hasn't started a game in for it in forever. He was marked out of the three previous games pretty much, so he didn't do that much. Mm. So is there an argument that I got the defensive one completely? I understood why Zinchenko played. Uh, even though, like I said before, he was he was constantly letting balls go to Salah. Um but 
I just thought the only thing, I mean, everybody was moaning, why didn't Kev come on? Why didn't this? Why didn't that? And I got all that because of fitness issues. I just didn't, I just thought Rodri could have seen out one more 90 minutes yeah. and then got yeah. rested against Brighton. I was also very, very surprised Gundogan didn't start. And yeah, but but why is he on? Unf- he must have taken a knock or something in the Atlanta yeah, yeah. game, right? Because yeah, yeah. it just felt like this game was perfect for him. Maybe he could have controlled the central midfield. And when we've and with Gundogan and Bernardo in there, I think our industry is is as good as as Liverpool's would have been. And maybe and that that's maybe the key is is Gundogan also not featuring. We, we just they said that when Gundogan's played in the last few games. He's been over it in balls. He's been passing to the other team. He's not. He's not been great. Yeah, but Foden decided to take that role onto himself in this game. <laughs> I, I think. I think Foden had to play because we just had nobody else like to fill these positions. But I thought that Phil was extraordinarily poor. Whenever he got on the ball, it was a. It wasn't even subtle. It was a straight pass to a red shirt. I felt like the the biggest contributions towards Liverpool winning were Zach Steffen, Phil Foden and Gabriel Jesus, ultimately. Well, we'll go on to that Steffen blunder, but just to quickly summarise their goals, they kind of hit us pretty quick in the first half, didn't they? Canate uh, header. Steffen had his blunder where he just hesitated on the line and Mane threw himself in. And then Mane shaped up a nice volley to- Stefan's left-hand side just before the break. And it's the old-fashioned Liverpool blitz, isn't it? Just on Stefan. This is where I've done my research. Well, not my research. I've made notes, which I never do. I've the made first Stephen time notes. ever. Two, first two time ever I've prepared. Podcast, I mean. <laughs> right. Talk to me about Stefan. I'm a bit protective about Zach Stefan. I, I have no idea why. I don't think he's done anything to deserve it. But he's I just am. not Claudio Bravo. That's why we like it. Yeah, that might be it. It might be just <laughs> that we've had we've got a keeper that I like, a backup keeper that I like for the first time in eight. Don't get me wrong. I am not saying that Stefan didn't cost us that game. And I am not saying that he's anywhere near as good as Edison. So just to preface this, I think people are a bit were a bit hard on him. And the reason I think, because uh, I saw people bringing up that um, it's the second time he's cost us an FA Cup semi-final uh, in two years. Like he was his, he was his poor positioning against Chelsea the previous year. And I just think his mistakes get magnified because he literally only plays cup games. Whereas if Edison makes a mistake, it's averaged out across 50 games. Whereas Stefan will play six, seven games a season. Uh, so if he's going to make a mistake, odds are it's going to be in one of those massive semi-finals. And people are forgetting that Edison almost did the exact same thing against the exact same opponent. And the only reason it didn't come off is because Edison is a better keeper than him. So <laughs> it's just the way Liverpool played. They press us and, and, it, and it got to Stefan. So he, he was at fault for that goal, but Edison did the exact same thing and nobody was on at Edison. I, I get why. but um, and, and on top of that, people were saying Edison would have saved the other two goals. I don't think he would have done. That Ibrahim Akanai goal, it was just a fucking bullet header. 
that would have gone in either way because he scored three of them since he came in January. He's literally a heading machine. And that that Sane goal, uh, not Sane goal, Mane goal to to Stefan's left. I had people saying that he was mispositioned, that he should have been closer to his near post. Is he supposed to forget the other three Liverpool players in the box waiting for a cross from Mane? Like, from Mane's position, you sort of expect him maybe he'll whip it round towards it for a header from Salah or whoever's in the box. And, and instead he went for a, a pitch-perfect volley into the bottom corner, which he almost got to. So I get that he made that horrible mistake. But the, the vitriol towards him for him, I just thought was insane. I, I, I think he's been more than good enough in every other game but one. Uh, and I, I think it was just a bit much. I would put it more to the fact that we had a back four that have only played 83 minutes together all season. So I, I get that he's made a mistake. I get that it was his fault that we went out. But the, the vitriol towards him is just a bit a bit much for me. It won't surprise you that I'm going to take a contrary opinion. <laughs> but it is actually what I think. I don't think that Stefan's as good as, as people say that he is. I've heard City fans say before that he's like the best backup goalkeeper in the Premier League, like that Premier League team has. But I think that the drop-off is pretty severe between uh, Stefan and Edison. Uh, obviously, I agree with Cam that he wasn't at fault for any of the other goals. You know, Ake was brilliant in that game, but he's the guy marking... Uh, Canate and doesn't get the header on it, and Canate gets the ball in the back of the net. The it, thing, it was a the thing is, he's goal. not. Ake, Canate um, pegs it in. In fact, Jesus loses Canate. Yeah. Ah, Jesus right. is challenged yeah, him. Sorry, but he was the yeah. yeah, yeah. He was just under the ball, wasn't it for for it coming in? So more than Ake to pin that on Gabriel Jesus, then yeah. six foot eleven and is built like an absolute brick shithouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I think that got, there's no way you stop that goal. No, really and the Mane goal is brilliant as well. I, yeah. I don't think that you can particularly point to anybody being at fault for that either. But he's, the drop-off is significant. He hasn't been good in the other FA Cup games that he's played. I feel like the, the one against Southampton, he was actually pretty poor. You don't have to go back to last season and, and the FA Cup games against the FA Cup game against Chelsea and say that he's cost us that. Obviously, he hasn't cost us the other games, but I just think that the drop-off is pretty bad. And I think that he gets a pass because he's the USA like national team goalkeeper and so because we've got a backup that is that plays for in the first team for his national side people think that the level's a bit higher but I just don't actually rate him all that much to be fair and I agree with Cam that the vitriol that he gets against him is well out of order but I think that a lot of that comes from the expectation level was just plummeted like people think he's up here and then when he puts in a performance that's down here the drop-off is so bad that people like get a bit out of control with it but I think we just need to accept that as a backup goalkeeper he's not that great and when it comes to the big games like an FA Cup semi-final you should be playing your, your best goalkeeper in that in my opinion. You say like people say he's the, he's the best backup kit. Who's better? But also, who's you're not going to get anybody better than that as a backup keeper. No matter what the drop off is there, who, who are you going to get? No, I, I I agree. I don't think that we should be going into the market to look for somebody better. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I don't think that he's that good. I think that we've had better backup goalkeepers in like Willie Caballero. Like he's a 
he's someone who you would want to play right. in, a, will, in a game that could Caballero's go to a penalty a shootout. FA Cup penalty shootout merchant. He's yeah, but so, any, any well, then, so, so to, what, what are you going to choose him for other than the FA Cup? But I'm saying Willie Caballero would have probably let in more fucking goals so he wouldn't even get near the penalty shootout. Yeah, Willie Caballero's not ballsy enough to make the mistake that Edison ultimately, ultimately makes. And two things cost us that game as shit as City were. To it, to, it boils down to two cases. If Jesus takes that shot on um, and actually scores in the one-on-one against Allison, it's then 3-2 and we can tr- tie the game and take it into extra time. If Edison doesn't make, if, uh, sorry, if Stefan doesn't make that mistake, then maybe it, the Liverpool don't score three goals and then it goes to extra time. But those are the two for me. I just don't think he's that good. I don't rate him that highly. Like I prefaced it with, I, I agree. I, he's not near the level of Edison. He's not. But what I mainly wanted to get across was the people getting at him so hard about it need to shut the yeah. fuck up, basically. And it was a bad mistake, yeah. But, like I say, Edison did all, exactly the same thing, and it's only because he's a much better, like, a he's a first-team, best club in the world, one of the best national team in the world's backup keepers. It's only that that saved him from the same sort of issue. So, you know, just people need to fucking calm down and stop being so reactionary, as I always fucking say. So basically what I'm saying is, anybody listening to this, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a symptom of being a seven-joint goalkeeper, isn't it? That you're just not going to get the minutes to be able to drum up some form. But that's it as well, isn't it? Like, Fernandinho gets the excuse of he's not played all season. so we come back into the game with two goals from Grealish and Bernardo um, but that's kind of it then and the game fizzles out what I want to talk about is after the game, the amount of fanfare I've seen around Liverpool, Blue Man City away, uh, they've really shown them who's boss. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold came out and said, I don't think anyone's really put them to the sword that we, the way we have. And no one's going, but this was a shadow squad from City and this was playing three players that have barely had any minutes this season. And like Cam said, the back line had 83 minutes together. Like, it's like they're almost missing out that bit of information. And they're just going, oh, we've beaten the best team in the league and that means we're the best team in the league now. Whereas if it was the other way around and they played that Keller in net and the, what's the, the other left-back that's instead of... And they'd switched a few players around, played the Ox in there. All of a sudden it'd be, you couldn't even you know, play that well against our second string. So I don't understand this narrative that... I do understand it, but it just frustrates me. This narrative that's come out after the game. They blew us away for 45 minutes and then we more than got back into the game and maybe could have even won it in the it, second half. It, it, was, it was 3-2. <laughs> I mean, and, and yeah. the conversation for like the like, all the remaining part of injury time was, are City going to get back into this like they have done in previous years in big games? So 
for for all of Liverpool's blowing us away, it was almost for nothing. But ultimately, they did win. And and to be fair, I think that they were infinitely the better side. It wasn't just oh, yeah. it wasn't City being just being poor, which I think we were, but they were brilliant. And I think that that's a bit where the perspective comes from. Is whenever City were on the ball, they had three Liverpool players around them at all times, whether it was in our half by our goal or in their half by their goal. They just had it's. It felt like they were playing with. 14 15 men and we were playing with 10 it was it was that bad and then we didn't help by passing to them constantly but I I did think that for that first 45 minutes they were pretty brilliant to be honest with you and maybe that's where it comes from is they do ignore all of the like you said James all of the reasons why City weren't that good but I think that Liverpool do deserve a lot of credit yeah no no doubt they deserve credit but the way it's been pitched and especially from their actual players that there's no perspective in there. Like, we might have played that well against the second string Liverpool, but I don't think we'd have, us as fans or our players would have come out and said that. You know, if you think how well headed We don't have the best club in the world, Paul, so they've so, got to prove yeah. it, we don't. There you go, there you go. Right, so um, next up is Brighton. Time's defeating us, so very quickly. Brighton have had a, a bit of a mixed bag of late. They've beaten Arsenal and Spurs. But before that, they had a decent run of losing quite a few games on the trot to the likes of Newcastle and Villa. Are you feeling optimistic? Feeling nervous? I'm feeling optimistic. I think City will win. They're a tough... They've turned up against the big teams, but we we tend to do well against them. So They've given us one tough game in recent recent years while they've been in the Premier League, and it it was at their ground, not ours. So, um, yeah, I think that we win this. Yeah, hopefully there's no headache after the last few ridiculous games because it's not like we can rotate loads either is it to hopefully get us back on track we can uh, prove we deserve to be at the top and um, the league's ours I think Diaz is significant in this running now if he can get back in the first team I think that he'll be brilliant um, against Madrid and I think that he'll be great in the last Premier League games as well Before, before we do go just a quick soundbite from everybody about Madrid because I remember me saying that I wasn't for, like I was more worried about Atletico than I was about Real if we ended up getting through. I still sort of feel that way because I don't think Real press us nearly as much as Atletico would press us and I think we'll get a lot more time to play. But it, considering we've not played that well over the last three games at the very least, um, it is a more worrying proposition for me than it was a few yeah. weeks ago. We usually um, get put to the sword by a great individual performance as well. So if Benzema does what to, what he does to yeah. us that he did against Chelsea, I think that that's the difference as well. Yeah. I think we'll, uh, we'll go into depth on that on another podcast. And we also need to mention about Fernandinho looking to... Well, they've bloody played them both times by the next time we do a podcast. Well, <laughs> yeah. maybe we have to do a special one. And yeah, we'll set some time aside to chat through Fernandinho as well. But um, on that note, I think that's it for this week, month, six monthly Topical City podcast. Cheers, guys. We'll preview the okay. World Cup in the uh, in the next one. <laughs> and remember, shut the fuck up about Zach Stan. <laughs> yeah. You can hate him, just keep your opinion to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it. Yeah. Stay in your echo chamber. On that your own podcast. Sunji bye, everybody. Sunji bye. Sunji bye.